0: Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own.
1: Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon.
0: Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM.
1: All right, good morning everybody and welcome in Miller and Condon on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and one oh six point three FM. It's Trent Condon. Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours. Talking sports with you and appreciate you spending some of your morning here with Trent and I. On the BMW Des Moines guest list, well, ready or not, the NFL starts tomorrow. We're going to start our guest list off with Frank Schwab from YahooSports.com. Uh, he is their NFL columnist, also dabbles in sports wagering, keeping the uh, his uh, readers at Yahoo Sports up to date on sports uh, wagering throughout the country. We'll do that to, uh, with Frank here coming up at 1025. From the NFL to the college game with Bill at 1045. It's Wednesday. That means Cappy is here. Sponsored by Centurion Stone of Iowa. I assume we will probably skew this Bears for all oh, as far as the percentage of conversation more so than the Cubs and White Sox this week. Yeah, we've kind of shortchanged
2: the Bears uh, compared to past seasons leading into the year. No preseason games, no, not different major storylines. There's a quarterback battle in yet just hasn't moved the needle as the NFL as a whole it's been a weird august as we mm-hmm. make our way in now to through September so so different this year but a day away from football. How crazy is that? Yeah,
1: and I'm anxious to see the ratings, Trent. I'm actually yeah. uh, curious as to what this game tomorrow night and what the Sunday games uh, are going to do viewership-wise. Uh, so we will uh, talk to the Capman at 11.05. Bears, Cubs, White Sox with Cappy, and then Ben Vist are going to go heavy. Cyclones this week. Why wouldn't we? They're playing, have a really good opponent, the Raging Cajuns. Louisiana make an appearance 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Uh, you can hear the game down the hall on 100.3 The Bus. You can see it on ESPN following the game. If you're so inclined, you can turn over to 1040 WHO. Heather Burnside, Emery Songer with Cyclone Sound Off getting on the air as soon as the. Uh, Learfield, uh, presentation is over. Didn't think we'd start with NCAA basketball here today, Trent, but I guess we should with the news that came out of an ACC coaches teleconference call this morning. And this is picking up a lot of steam. Apparently, this year, the one year only, um, every single team is going to be invited to the, uh, to March Madness. They're going to be a part of the, I mean, how long is the Selection Sunday show going to go, <laughs> right? For 346 teams? Yeah. That's going to be like turning the Super Bowl, the pregame, on at noon and the kickoff is 530. It's going to be a long show. Uh, on the surface, I, I don't get it. Um, don't know why the need is there. I mean, especially when you take a look at some of the teams that are going to get in. Kennesaw State, they were 0-16 and 1-28 and overall. I'll give them a bid. Put them in. Pay that coach's bonus for getting into the NCAA tournament. I don't know what's behind this, Trent. I've yet to hear uh, a logical reason other than the fact that it's 2020 and everybody gets a ribbon,
2: damn it. And, uh, yeah, certainly logic is out here in 2020. I think I... Know the reason? Ken, when you pose a question... Yeah, it's ka Uh-huh, go to the money and the money aspect. So instead of having six rounds, that's what you do in the NCAA tournament, plus the playing round, but take that off for consideration. A 64-team bracket, that is six rounds of basketball. Well, now you're adding extra rounds on top it's of that. a couple of extra rounds when you get right through the math. It right? is, but instead of playing in a 68-team bracket, that is 67 games. 67 games of content with 342... That is 341 games in order to determine a champion. You talk about inventory, you talk about things to put on television, and with it, the TV money that comes along, that is your answer right there. So
1: would they have to renegotiate? I'm guessing they're going to. They're going to need more TV outlets. Yes,
2: and this thing would extend out a lot longer in order to do that. So one thing, uh, I didn't get deep into the details. Are all 340-some teams going to come together Oh, no, I don't
1: know that. I doubt that. Yeah, I mean,
2: that, that would be ridiculous to do. Are mm-hmm. we talking 8, 12, 16 yeah. regions across the country? And and how regionalized is this going to be? I well, think it
1: has to be, Trent. Yes. I really do. And you're right, it's 346 is the number, so what does that mean? You know, the
2: opening round is going to be Iowa-Maryland Eastern Shore. We've seen that plenty of times in November at Carver-Hawkeye <laughs> Arena. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a first-round matchup, but still going to get numbers, still going to be on television, and with it, now, you mentioned those TV windows. Is this something where now ESPN is going to have an opportunity to buy into some of these games? Turner alone with, well, True TV, which yeah. is the goofy one we always get to, TBS, right. TNT, of course CBS, a big part of it. Four's not enough. Four's not enough. Nope. But you have ESPN and ESPN2 and U. Mm-hmm. Now you can get all these games going on all throughout the day and and do it over a couple of weeks stretch to finally get down to your Sweet 16 and maybe send them all then to one final destination, something like that. I think it'd be incredible. I, well, I, I I am all in about this. I told you 128 yeah, a week ago and you you scoffed thought, at that well, one. Well, I
1: scoffed at it because I I was uh, the, the stuff that I was reading weeks ago were that they're going to even cut it down from 64 to 32 and mm-hmm. they're just going to try and get this in in a very narrow window because they're scared that we're going to be uh, another wave, Never sorry to idea. say. Um I don't know. It just seems like overkill to me. It does. It's kind of like that. And I know you love it, but um, you know, that November the 8th or whatever it mm-hmm. is, where you turn basketball on and it starts at midnight. 24 hours of hoops. 24 hours of hoops. It kind of feels like this is where we're going. Selection Sunday show is going to be through the. How are you going to fill out a bracket? Oh, yeah. Ah, there's lots of questions. But again, this is 2020 and there's not a lot of answers for anything. So we'll see. This is the ACC, their coaches. Came up with this one. I don't know who spearheaded it. I have no idea. Was this uh, thing? Did he get in front of right. it? And if he lends his name to it, as opposed to you know, Steve Forbes, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> who made some news himself, bringing on Woodley that. to his staff yeah, at Wake Forest I saw that um, yesterday. So Matt uh, Matt Woodley and family will be headed out there. Um, yeah, if Shishovsky, if it's Bayheim, if it's you mm-hmm. know a big name behind it, uh, Roy, uh, maybe. A lot of buzz, a lot of positive buzz, a lot of folks that uh, can't find anything wrong with it. Uh, I look at, I, I guess I don't care. Yeah, at yeah. the end of the day,
2: it's going to be basketball. Yeah, are you going to get a true champion? Is this another thing I wondered? Is this a strictly a one and done scenario? Oh, you would. Well, it's, I am. Um, or are you going to be working more at a pod no. system where you play three games that turns into the advancement or at least mm-hmm. seeding from there, and you kind of roll from there. I think that might make a little bit more sense. And what we don't know, we're we're seeing more and more of the exempt tournaments that happen. The battle for Atlantis. Of course, it's not going to be in Atlantis this year. Might be sending them to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And at the Pentagon, which is a, an incredible building. It was there a couple of years ago for that Iowa-Colorado game. There's a legitimate buzz about uh, them hosting one of those events, Trent. Well, and remember, that is right next to the big hospital up there. Mm-hmm. That is the PGA Medical Testing Partner uh, what is it? Sanford Health? I believe that's sure. what it is. But it's a huge hospital. Northwest Iowa is also a part of kind of their their uh, clinics up there. And with it, this is a hospital that has really good testing. The PGA uses it. It is known inside of sports communities, and that would make a whole lot of sense. So, yeah, you're not going to the Bahamas? Have fun in Sioux Falls, though. <laughs> we we'll play some games there. You know, Iowa State, their exempt tournament Looks like, what, Florida, but the possibility maybe those moving or maybe all going to Orlando or a number of these exempt tournaments going there. So they're still figuring it out, but are we going to see a normal college basketball non-conference schedule? No, no I don't way. think
1: so. I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I don't
2: think you're going to see the you know the four, five, six by games that are in there for every major conference team and, and some of the teams, the teams from the MIAC and the SWAC, traveling across the country, playing 12, 14 games of their non-conference schedule all on the road. I think that's going to look a lot different. A lot more bubbling up. A lot more mini-tournaments, and you talk about throwing things out the window. And you can only play in one exempted tournament a year. Do you couple yeah, well, just to get as many non-conference games in as possible? Yeah,
1: if this is going to be the year. And you mentioned those teams that stay go out on the road in the beginning of November and don't host a, a home game until their conference plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, those those schools are relying on that yes. to, to keep afloat, right? And that's not going to be – at least you wouldn't think that that's going to be an option this year. So we'll see. But certainly some news and got the college basketball fans uh, a little through them a bone on the eve of football here today is a pretty big story coming out. We'll see where it goes. It's um, yet to – across anybody at the NCAA's desk, at least that we know of. This was just um, made public here this morning for the NCAA, uh, the ACC coaches.
2: What I love about the basketball side of the NCAA, now the NCAA has control of the men's tournament, something mm-hmm. they don't have in football, but all these different conferences, all these different ideas that we're hearing from the coaches, and yeah, there's a lot more of the coaches at the Division One level than what you see at the FBS level of college football, but they're throwing out ideas. They're working through right, this. and. right. We had this whole summer where just didn't feel like football had a whole lot of ideas. It was, eh, we'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll be okay. And now here we are with two of the five major conferences not playing football this fall. Because of that, I think that something positive certainly is going to come out for college basketball. And they're going to find a way to give you some semblance of a season, even if it doesn't involve fans, even if it's a bubble environment for, frankly, all the games they're going to find a way to actually get this done. Something that, of course, we don't really see in the football side. Well, of Well, go
1: back a couple of months, Trent. Help us out. So we're a couple of months away from college basketball starting. Turn the clock back to June, football wise. Mm-hmm. We really we didn't have a plan because we thought it was going to be status quo, right? It was yeah. We're I... going to go forward. So was there a need for these guys to put the, to be proactive instead of reactive, which they're clearly in a position that they're you know forced into now. Uh, Maybe if they would have put their heads together back in June and come up with that plan that you're thinking, we might not have been in this spot. But who knows? A few of them tried. Uh, We heard more and more of these, and I mean, I remember
2: way back in what was it, March, April, when Kirk Herbstreit came out and said, "They're not playing. They're not playing college football this year." Now. You can say he's not right, but in a way, he was right. At least mm-hmm. in his biggest conference, is alma mater, Ohio State in the Big Ten not playing? He was right in that avenue. But
1: well, the, you know what? That buzz won't go away, Trent. The,
2: and the, so many of these different ideas that came up were just scoffed at in college football. I know there's a real need for mm-hmm. it. So the biggest part I, I think, though, is they do have a real leader, and, and David Gabbett running things at the, at the high of college yeah. basketball. He is—he's the president. He's the czar mm-hmm. of the NC. That's not an official title, no. Nope. But he's the commissioner. He is in control of men's college basketball. And with it, they do have somebody that can go out there and get these meetings going and get these conversations started. And with that, you lead down the road that we're at right now, where real possibilities are out there, things that make sense. And another thing, back in June, we didn't have any real live sports back. Ball sports, our big four sports, were not back at the
1: time. Good point.
2: And because of what we've seen with the NBA, the NHL, their bubbles, how well that's worked, what we've even seen in the NFL, even though they're not playing games Being camped together with upwards of 100 guys on those initial rosters and and now cutting down, of course, to the 53, we're seeing, though, their bubble environment has worked for them. And because of that, even baseball, though there's been hiccups, we've seen it can work. And I think because of that, college basketball maybe has a little easier path to get to in order to figure
1: this out. Yeah, now all eyes on the NFL as they start tomorrow and they've got some different travel uh, restrictions in place for Mm -hmm. teams that have to go out on the road. They can't have anybody visit them at the hotel. They can't leave the hotel when they go to a city. When they get in the afternoon, they can't go exploring the city uh, that they're playing in or go out and grab dinner or anything like that. They are essentially quarantined in uh, in the hotel that the team is staying at, so we'll see if those numbers, and they've been really good. The NFL has done a nice job uh, keeping those COVID numbers as low as they are. I think they've what, had maybe had one positive in the last. There hasn't been a lot, and I'm not sure it was a player. I think it was a um, – and I'm not even sure it was a coordinator or a coach. Someone down the uh, the chain um, was stricken with it, but they've done a really good job. Uh, speaking of the NFL, I looked at my first mock draft yesterday. Oh, you did. I did. What's wrong with you? Well, Levon Miller's not going to play, is what's wrong with me, Trent. Yeah, uh, I
2: saw that news this uh, morning.
1: Essentially, as Bronco fans realized that, um, you know, with Bradley Chubb working his way back and Von Miller was in the best shape of his life, he was embarrassed by his performance last year um, and he was just tearing up practice, which leads me to believe that the offensive line stinks. (laughs) (laughs) You're one of those fans. I'm the
2: exact same way.
1: So I looked at the uh, first mock draft and I've got a second, us second, the Broncos. We'll get Sewell to take over okay. left tackle, which will that's, work that's for That's a good, yeah, good spot absolutely. to start. Absolutely. Guy went,
2: got some Heisman votes last year as an offensive <laughs> lineman. You don't see that very often no. for the for the Duck, and we'll see what kind of season the Duck is going to have, if any, coming up. Well, this he winter. won't
1: have any season because Sewell has already opted has out. Has he had? Yeah, yeah. He, I think he joined the list of opt-outs uh, here this weekend, but certainly some disappointing news for the Broncos.
2: So, uh... I read across this as uh finish up my fantasy drafts last night, had a couple more. You know, more. Wonder,
1: you know let me stop you there yeah. because I get a sense, and you, you played and you're more in, in touch with it than me, and maybe it's just, I, is fantasy as big this year as it normally is? No. That's what I thought, right? and I Hard to say not as
2: big, but everybody that I've talked to in all the different we leagues i in. can't go
1: bars and have your draft. Right.
2: You can't have that. That makes it difficult. And just talking to everybody in my leagues, nobody's prepared. Yeah. And nobody has any idea. and. I've probably talked to a dozen people that I know play fantasy either in my leagues or even not in leagues that I'm in, but they've all said this is as ill prepared as I have been coming into a draft ever. And I felt the exact same way. No preseason. Yeah. And there's a lot going on. It's normally the dog days of baseball and that's all that we have at this point. You got the PGA championship. (laughs) Right. You got baseball, August baseball. All right, we got preseason games on. We're gonna watch that. I'm gonna do studying. I'm gonna get on the computer. I'm gonna buy one of those magazines, and I'm gonna at least start. I never got to that point, and I just never had that that kickstart to the football season that we're used to starting with the Hall of Fame game, all the preseason games. They rate people watch them. Mm-hmm. I watch them, and a lot of times don't clean a get whole lot out of them.
1: NFL, get but you, you think get a draft, yeah. and,
2: and without that, I just so many people I think miss that. Plus, you have. If you're an NBA fan, you got that going mm-hmm. on. The shortened baseball season makes these games, I think, that much more important and a lot more people interested on that avenue and on and on and on. I think that's the reason behind it, but in my preparation, I came across another one of those offshore sites and I thought this was something that you would get a kick out of. The first NFL quarterback this year to be benched. They have odds on this. Again, offshore.
1: Whoa. The first NFL quarterback this year to be benched. So this isn't
2: injury-related. This is actually Sit losing down. your job. Right,
1: right, right, right.
2: Uh, uh, Ryan the, Fitzpatrick. R- Fitz is the second choice. He is 9-4.
1: to four. Okay. Uh, who's got a quarterback in waiting? Ah, uh, boy, oh boy! Well, Trubisky's on the list, but yes, I don't he think he's one. He's not the favorite. He is the third choice, five to two. Okay, let me try and figure this out. my. don't tell me. Okay. we get to this point.
2: Um, I'll tell you. I was a little surprised to see this you? guy as the favorite. So it's really? not a quote unquote easy one, if you will. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield not on the list. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, nine quarterbacks listed here. Okay. Baker was not among so
1: them. So I'm missing number one. Mm-hmm. It's not Brady.
2: He's a young quarterback. Kyler Murray. No, not Kyler Murray. Same quarterback
1: class. Uh, all right. Who, who is it? Dwayne Haskins. Oh, okay. Three to two. Yeah, and Alex Smith made the it made yes. the roster. So yeah, is he the two? In Washington? I be- Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know how I many quarterbacks you'd
2: carry. That, that'll be a Frank Schwab question, maybe, uh, when we have him coming up here in about 10 minutes. Boy, but,
1: that division's going to be so one-sided, don't you? I mean, Dallas, how, who's going to beat the Cowboys? The you Eagles, think the Eagles got a chance? I do. Do you? I don't see the other two having a no, chance. I don't think they do at all.
2: I can see Washington maybe surprising and being a 7-9, 8-8 eight eight kind of mm-hmm. team, but that's about it. Like their weapons on the outside, but... Boy, I think Dallas is going to run away with it. And they were only 8-8 eight and eight last year. And Isn't that crazy? It, it is. With all that talent. Yeah. Now they have a coach. Right. In theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, McCarthy's got to be offensive a huge mind. step up from what they had with the clapper on the sidelines. <laughs> <Clap>. <laughs> and now he's uh, he's in New York. He's the Giants uh-huh. offensive coordinator. What's the, what's the best division in the NFL? Is it the NFC West?
1: Top to bottom? It depend Is it top to bottom? Top to bottom. Top who's to the bottom? Who's the bottom in the West? Is it the Rams? I'd Cardinals are going to be good. I don't know. Cardinals are. Cardinals are a lot of people like this team as a dark horse team. See, I think the Forty Nine ers in trouble.
2: Well, I'll, I'll usually the up. Super Bowl
1: yep. team that gets beat are in trouble,
2: and we saw Garoppolo in just a couple of different times. Just how pedestrian he looked. Yeah. Rams, I like I, them. I like the Rams yeah. in a bounce-back year.
1: I like the Niners draft. Kinlaw and what's his name? Ayuk. Uh, uh, yeah. Brandon Ayuk, if I'm saying it right. The Seattle, Seattle. Arizona State. Yep. Dick Carroll. Boy, does that guy need even And they get credit. Adams for the secondary? <laughs> right. It, it's
2: ridiculous what they are. I think the 49ers are in trouble. That's one where... So where do you think they'll finish in the West?
1: You don't have them last.
2: Maybe. Really? Yeah, I,
1: I could see it. and 3 last they were. year.
2: Did it with that ground game, and our team's going to be able to catch up. Physicality in another mm-hmm. year—that's what I'm keeping an eye on. and I think I might be firing at them. What's their the win total? It's high. It's ten and a half. Still. So you. Th- well, if you, I you, would you, take the under. You, I guess. And I think I saw that to make the playoffs. And remember, we got seven playoff teams yep. now. Right. I think they were minus. 375 or something mm. like that. The plus was like 3-1. to one. I might take a fire at that, too, with the 49ers not to pick the make the playoffs. Top to bottom, I, I do like the West. I think you're good there. What about the NFC South? Is it just because Carolina, we have no idea, really. Mm. It's hard to say top to bottom. That division's going to be good. They're gonna be, that's a good division, though, Trent. It is. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, I think Carolina's going to be bad. Who do you mm. like in that? Do you like the Saints, or do you like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Can I take Atlanta? You can. I think you'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they played well in the second half of last year. Now,
2: it could tilt very quickly with Dan Quinn, but I kind of like that Again, Price, mm-hmm. I saw division odds, and because the Saints and Buccaneers are the clear two favorites in that division, I like the number that I saw with the Falcons. Go that one. AFC North, because of the Bengals, no, mm. can't, can't throw them in consideration. Same thing with the AFC South because of Jacksonville. I don't think you can throw them in there. Yeah, I think you had it right. It's the NFC West. I think it is, too. I think we're both buyers in those Arizona Cardinals.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure that they Well, there's nothing. There's an extra team that gets in for, uh, with the wild card mm-hmm. this year, so maybe they can find the way. I'm not sure who's going to... Boy, I can't, I, I can't uh, buy into your Niners theory. No? Not that they're going to fall off the cliff like you have them falling off the well, cliff.
2: Well, I'm more still 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, nine and seven uh-huh. type. It's not falling off the cliff and going 5-11. and 11. Garoppolo, there's just so much that mm. concerned me last year. And can they be so good that they were in the, in the run game a year ago and kind of turn the football on its head from the aired-out attack that we're used to, going back to the ground game and Kyle leading Shanahan's on that. one of the great and, and
1: minds in the game, Trent.
2: Their wide receivers are so banged up, too. Are they? Debo Samuel is going to be out for a pretty significant time, it sounds like, three, four, five weeks, something like that, and he's not alone, that wide receiver crew. So, George Kittle, 150 catches? Speaking of fantasy, if those wide receivers are all banged up, it's going to be a lot of Kittle this
1: year. Who, uh, Who? I mean, I'm guessing, is Mahomes number one in everyone's draft? Uh, no, in terms of like, overall. Number one overall?
2: No, it's it's McCaffrey. It, oh, Okay, still, still the running back yeah, carries the weight. 1,000 huh? yards running, 1,000 yards receiving last year, yeah. and, and if you're in a PPR league or a half-point PPR, okay. points per reception league,
1: yeah, he's far and away number one. So
2: where does Mahomes usually go?
1: Top 10. So he's not necessarily right, he's not next off the board.
2: No, it, it's Zeke's up there in the top three. Uh, you got Elvin Kamara, yeah, now that he's got his contract, everything's good there. So, Michael Thomas usually is above him, too. Is he the best
1: receiver in football? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Is he really? And Statistics say he is still? Yeah. His, his
2: numbers were ridiculous yeah. last year. What did he end up with? 140 oh, great, catches, something numbers. like that? Yep. He was absolutely crazy. So, that's kind of your a few of your top ten. But, yeah, it's it's running back heavy. That's just fantasy, because after you get past that top tier, it dwindles very quickly, and then you're just throwing darts at the board, as mm. I've been doing over the last couple of nights with, finished up uh, six leagues this year. Maybe were overkill? we playing
1: in six. <laughs> <laughs> overkill? Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, Frank Schwab coming up next. Bill Bender this hour as well. David Kaplan will be here. Uh, Cubs didn't get a lot of hits last night, but uh, the one uh, the one stat that matters was that W when they put it uh, did a nice job there. Alec Mills was really good last he night. He was really good. Your twin split. They had a bad third inning. I left the game after the uh, third. I uh, watched the entire first seven inning. Oh, boy, I like those seven inning games. They are fun, aren't they? They really are. Um, Look at us. A couple of baseball traditionalists loving seven inning games, <laughs> loving runners on second base and extra innings. Baseball's been great, Right. It has. Normally, you and I, we get to September and we kiss baseball goodbye. Thanks, to, uh, thank you for getting us. We'll, to see this you in point. October. we'll see you in October. Maybe that last weekend. I don't know, man. This this week, I, I found it difficult. There was hockey was on last night, NBA was on last night, uh, MLB was on last night. I found it hard to turn the Cubs game off. Oh, really? I really
2: did. I got it. I got deep into the Lakers, Rockets. I, I took a fire at that one did too, ya? so that also helped it. But really. I've enjoyed these NBA playoffs. We we always enjoy the NBA playoffs. We talk about it a lot in in April and May and June as our college seasons dwindle away, but it's just been watching LeBron last night and yeah. watching him defensively. And I know we've had the conversation in the past, regular season LeBron compared to playoff LeBron. It's, it's a different guy. Rondo
1: hitting three-pointers last It Just yeah. chuckling
2: at the television last they, night. They
1: uh, had it all going last night. Yeah. They, lo- they look like the team to beat. Well, Frank Schwab joins us next. Miller and Condon until noon. Uh, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and one Right now.
0: Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460
3: KXO. And now on 106.3 FM.
1: I'm Millery Cotton. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. NFL tomorrow night. It's the Chiefs and the Texans. You can see the game on NBC. Frank Schwab covers the NFL for YahooSports.com. He also dabbles in sports wagering. He's their sports wagering guy as well at Yahoo Sports, or one of them, anyways. And Frank joins us. Frank Trenton Ken in Des Moines. How are you, Frank Schwab? <laughs>
3: Doing great, you know. I mean, uh, football's uh, 36 hours away, a little less than that. It's, it's kind of crazy after this long offseason that, you know, we're finally here.
1: Indeed we are, Frank Schwab. Ready or not, here it comes. Uh, and we're, I think we're all excited. We're all, um, you know, curious to see how it's going to unfold. If college football this past weekend showed us anything is that it's a little sloppy right out of the gate. No preseason, etc. Who do you think has an edge tomorrow, Frank? Do you anticipate over the weekend, I mean, from a sports wagering angle, how would you approach it? Will you dip your toe in the water? Will you try and find, will will uh, take take the totals and they're probably going to fly under or maybe not? How are you approaching this from a sports wagering before we get into the NFL as a whole?
3: You know, it's funny. I've thought about this a lot, and obviously, you know, everybody's talking about this because it's a long off season, and we have a chance to break down every angle possible. I honestly think that we're kind of overestimating the impact this is going to have. I look; these guys are professional. They they understand how to get themselves ready. They they know what they're doing. I think. Yeah. I mean, teams with continuity. Uh, you know, they're supposed to have the edge, but what about the elemental surprise? You can you can make the argument that because we have no idea what, say, the New England Patriots' offense is going to look like, that they actually have more of an edge than a team that's, you know, been together for five years, and we know exactly what they're going to run and their strengths and all that kind of stuff. You can make arguments on both sides. I, I think even, like, you know, I, I went through and, and looked at uh for a post this morning on, you know, how COVID's going to affect the season – you look at, like, home field advantage in baseball, you would think, well, no fans in the stands, home field advantage goes away. Baseball is actually, the home teams are winning at a higher percentage than they did the last two years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, football is a different sport. I'm not trying to to say it's not, but and, and maybe the lack of preseason hurts, but I I kind of am just approaching this season as it's going to be fairly normal. We're, we're not giving these guys enough credit for getting themselves ready, being ready, be, understanding what they need to do, a, you know, and you know we see sloppy play in Week One all the time. It doesn't matter, you know, whether there was a normal off season, normal preseason, or whatever. I we're all going to retrofit the narrative, right? Where if mm-hmm. if there's a ten six game between the Saints and Bucks mm-hmm. that might have happened anyway, we're going to say, oh, it's because do no preseason. I'm just kind of a, uh, just going about it normally, like I think that. You know, there is going to be some home field advantage because it's not just all about the fans. It's about travel. It's about familiarity. It's about all that. And, and travel's going to be more difficult this year. So that that's baked in. Maybe that kind of uh, mitigates the fact that there's no fans in the stands for the home teams. So I, I don't think offenses are going to be that bad off in 2011. And I've brought up 2011 a lot. There was a labor deal there, and uh-huh. it, there was no off season whatsoever, and we all thought, oh, these rookies are going to struggle. The offenses are going to struggle. Rookies did just fine. Cam Newton set records. Andy Dalton took his team to the playoffs as a rookie in 2011, and offense was actually up in 2011. So I, I just think that we're overthinking it a little bit, and I think the games are going to look kind of like normal when, when we get started on Sunday. Frank, uh,
2: it's a a different look, certainly, this season and no preseason, as you talked about there. One thing i got to wrap my mind around, in fact, I I already caught myself earlier today, I was talking about the 53-man roster. Well, it's actually a 55-man roster for this year. Also, active roster, up from 45 up to now 48 players can dress, albeit if eight of those have to be offensive linemen. Any other changes this year that are going to impact the game in your mind? How different compared we always have rule changes things that are going to be different refreshes if you will uh, some of those changes happening for 2020
3: right and i think the big you know the expanded practice squad make, makes a difference and uh, i'm trying to think of the other things that were really put into place it seems like a million years ago when we were talking it about does. normal rules starting to combine and all that uh I, you know the, nothing i you know that no more pass interference reviews was the big one mm-hmm. and you know some like some stuff like that i, I think they the COVID only stuff. It's not, you know, not like baseball where they're trying out a bunch of experimental stuff. Some of which has actually been really, really interesting. Yes. Like the extra innings rule more than I thought I would. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, I, the, so I think football wise, you know, it, it, stuff that nor I don't think will normally notice. Like. Yeah, we we understand that going from 53 to 55 or going having three extra guys active on game day matters to these NFL teams. But as we sit here and watch Thursday night, Texans, Chiefs, we're not going to notice that. I, I don't think so, anyway. I don't think there's really any way. You know, it's not like a baseball game where you have the expanded roster so you can use more relievers and your starters only and go through the lineup twice. It's it, it's going to be just about the same. I don't think there's anything so drastic that we're going to look on over the weekend and say, wow, that, that rule really threw me off. I think it's, you know, we're going to settle in and these games are going to look just like they normally do. It's gonna be weird without fans in the stands. But I think as we kind of get used to that a little bit like I watch baseball, basketball every night, hockey. and the games seem normal, right? Like it's not like I'm sitting here watching you know the nuggets the other night and saying, oh, this is just crazy. It's a little weird in the bubble but you get used to that. I think the same is going to happen with the NFL, where the first couple games are going to be a little strange for us, but then we're all going to settle in, and that's going to kind of become normal. And and then next year, we're going to have to get readjusted again, and fans being back in
1: the stands. Frank, com. Frank, what's the uh, Week 1 matchup that uh, draws your eye right off the bat? Is it Tampa going against New Orleans? Um, what else is kind of juicy? Seattle-Atlanta I think, got some buzz to it, yeah. but not the best game. I mean, not the most popular game. Which one catches your eye the most?
3: Hey, you know what? The beauty of Week 1, and I've, I've said, this, I said this on Twitter yesterday, too, that I, I've always thought Week 1 of the NFL is one of the <laughs> top five you know, kind of events on the sporting calendar. It's right up there with March Madness and Super Bowl week, because everything's new, everything's fun. Every we have so many questions about all of these teams, and we get to figure out all these surprises. And especially this year, when we had no preseason, we're gonna we're seeing Joe Burrow for the first time in yeah. NFL uniform, and we're gonna see all of the you know Tom Brady, obviously the the game that does easily. I think Buck Saints. When I when we back you know a million years ago and the schedule came out, right. we ranked uh, games of the year and I had Buck Saints Week One as the number one game on the entire two hundred fifty six game schedule uh-huh. and I'll still stand by that. I think when we just stripped down all of the we're just talking about football now, not all of the stuff we dealt with in the off season or no preseason or anything like that. We were talking about Tom Brady playing his first game with a new team in twenty years at the New Orleans Saints, a game that's going to maybe the best race and all football this year is going to be the NFC South between those two teams at the Superdome you know the the Saints coming off another playoff disappointment, trying to win a Super Bowl. I think that this game has everything. I think that this is just an incredible game, and there's others. I I'm interested, obviously, in every game, just because again we're seeing all 32 teams and for the first time, and and all these surprises. But but Broncos Titans to me is a kind of an underrated, kind of sneaky good game between two teams. I think are going to make the playoffs, although Von Miller's injury obviously hurts that. Yeah I think Steelers Giants is really interesting. New coach for the Giants, and I want to see how good. The Steelers, I don't see if Ben is back to to being normal after the elbow surgery. Just games like this, they're just, you know, Packers-Vikings right away. Great rivalry to start the year. I mean, it's just, I could get excited literally about all 16 games. That's the beauty of Week 1 is that everything is new, everything is fun.
2: Frank, your latest at Yahoo Sports talks about the betting side of the NFL. This was absolutely baffling to me. 98% of the money coming into Bet. uh, G- what am I saying? MGM. MGM, thank you. 98% of the division bets in the NFC East are on the Cowboys? Nobody looking for value
3: out there? The money, the money. 98% okay. of the money's coming in. So there's a few big bets there that really skew that. Yeah. But it's just, the Cowboys, man, it's it's so funny, like, it, I think any year you do that, the Cowboys are going to get the most bets out of anybody, and then the Raiders are up there for sure, because they're new to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and everybody's betting on to win the winning, they're the most bet on team to win the AFC this year, it's crazy, <laughs> like, uh, you know, just because what happened with the Golden Knights a couple of years ago, they were That's almost the Stanley Cup, same thing happening, the locals trying to, just see had that ticket to save, and who knows, maybe they cash it someday, I, it's just uh, Kyler Murray getting the most MVP votes, I love looking through that, see who everybody's betting on. But, yeah, that Cowboys, they just jumped out at me. I couldn't believe that literally the, the Cowboys are getting 98% of the money and, and the Giants are in second place, I think 0.96%. So <laughs> it's just the people are all in on this Cowboys team this year.
1: Who's a, who's a team, Frank, that's getting a lot of, uh, a lot of love and, and you can just scratch your head and can't figure out why? Who Either either conference, AFC or NFC, who's a team that a lot of people picking to win their division, but, boy, you look at it and you can't see why the hell that's going on.
3: Yeah, and I mean I could see it, but the Buccaneers to me are a team that hey, look if if I you know, look up three to four weeks from now and say yeah, Tom Brady did it again, and I, I was wrong, and he's just as good at forty three as he was at forty two, I'll tip my cap. He's Tom Brady, he's the greatest of all time. I, uh, of course, you can see that happening, but boy, I mean, for we all saw Brady kind of fading last year. Maybe it was his receivers. It's totally possible. Yeah, at work with late last season with the Patriots, but. No quarterback has ever had any success at age forty-three or older. Ever, like it just simply never happened in NFL history. He's changing teams for the first time. No preseason, new new offense. Ever, I mean, if he can overcome this, and the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers win total at MGM are now ten. If they go eleven and five for the third time, I think third or fourth time in franchise history, with all this new stuff going on in a still a tough division the, the saints are great the falcons are no easy out the panthers stink but i i, I would just be shocked if it did if i look up in late december and they're a 12 and 2 type of team i hey hats off but i'm not i'm not playing it that way let's put it that way i think the buccaneers are the team that uh that's going to be the bay i think they're going to be a huge disappointment this year i just think that uh I, I just I, I just can't wrap my head around Tom Brady continuing to beat Father Tom again. Anything he does this year positively is going to be a first for a quarterback his age in NFL history.
2: Frank, uh, give us one final look at the NFC North, the biggest division in our outpost here. Packers thirteen and three last year. The Vikings were a playoff team. Bears eight and eight last year, and oh, the Lions are the Lions. Your thoughts overall on that division? Don't sleep on them.
3: I know the, the Lions aren't, aren't exactly, you know, I mean, they do weird things like sign Adrian Peterson, but they, they do have talent if Stafford stays healthy and the defense gets figured out a little bit. Maybe Jeffrey you Okuda know, calms down their secondary a little bit, their top five pick. I, you know, I can make a case for any of the four teams, and I think that's the only division where I can realistically say that. Maybe the NFC West, if you really like the Cardinals. But I think the NFC North is the only division where you can make a really, really good argument for any of the four. Teams uh, picking them. I think I'm going to pick the Bears. I think that it's the same core, basically. It was so good two years ago. And yeah, they regressed last year, and Trubisky really was bad. But I think between Trubisky and Foles, are going to find one guy you can play. There's a lot of talent there, Allen Robinson, and that defense is really good. I just think this is a wide open division, and the Packers are going to come back to the uh, mean a little bit, and the Vikings lost a lot. And the Lions are going to be a little bit better because Stafford's going to be healthy. He was on pace for a great season last year. And I think the Bears are going to rebound. So I think this is going to be one of those, the division champ might want to go nine to seven, but I think the last place team might go seven to nine. It might be one of those divisions where all four teams are in it till the end. And I'll give, I guess right now, as you ask me, I'll pick the Bears. But if you ask me, you know, Two hours from now I might pick the Packers and the Lions. I think it's actually the division this year. Or is just gonna be wild all season?
1: Indeed it is. Frank Schwab Yahoo Sports. Frank, uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for what you do for us. Appreciate it, Frank. Yep, no doubt, guys. Good to talk to you. Frank Schwab Yahoo Sports, as we talk a little bit of NFL and a little bit of Bears love there at the end. He's picking yeah. them to win the division. You heard that, right? I heard that. I don't believe that. I will
2: I would love to be wrong on this Bears team. Chad, I've got him last. <laughs> you you're going that high on the Lions, huh?
1: I, I'm not, I think they're. Don't sleep on them.
2: I'm not there. I don't
1: think they're going to win the division.
2: You know what's as cra- crazy it is though. Just looking at la- last year's standings, the Bears were awful last year. They were eight and eight. A mm-hmm. couple of games. Mm-hmm. That's ten six. A little bit better quarterback play. Yeah. Well, it's hard to be worse. <laughs> it's true. And they still won what they eight had, games. And they won eight games. Still got Khalil Mack. Still got a pretty salty yeah. defense. No defense is good. Let's I'm go. Beat the Lions week one and off. And
1: running. You know, you look at that week one slate. There's some
2: juice.
1: Seattle and Atlanta's got some juice, right? You mentioned the Bears in Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota. You want to see New England because it's the first game without Brady. Uh, What else has got a little bit? Cleveland-Baltimore. Is Cleveland ready for it to take a step? Seattle Uh, going out to to Atlanta? uh, It's got a ton of buzz. That's a four-star game. That's, I think, really good. Tampa, New Orleans, yes. Arizona, San Francisco. Is Arizona as good as everybody thinks? We get the Cowboys on Sunday night football. Cowboys Sunday night football. Indeed, we do against the Rams. And the new stadium. And then the Monday nighters, Pittsburgh and new, and the Giants early, and uh, Tennessee and Denver late. I love Tennessee in that spot. Oh. Uh, anyways, we will take a timeout. Switch from More about that game. on Friday? We're going to do picks. We're I'm, doing picks. Right. Come on. Okay, I'm in. I'll defend my crown. I think I'm going for the fourth straight year. No, no, that that can't be true. (laughs) Now I really got to look through the little dope Uh, I thought you lost it. I thought I might slide that one by you. (laughs) Uh, We'll take a timeout. College football with Bill Bender next. David Kaplan on Chicago Sports at 11.05. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO-106. The Outdoors. Name the fight song. Can't. Give it a moment, I think it'll jump to you. Kennesaw State. <laughs> They'll be in the big dance. <laughs> Everybody will try. Uh, Miller and Cotton, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXO 106.3 FM. Who is it? Ohio State. Our next guest, I know, ah, knows this one very home. well. If we had a visual in the uh, trombone player, yeah. I'd have nailed that bad boy. Dot uh, in the Bill eye. It, dot in the eye. It's unbelievable. It really is a spectacle. It is. Uh, his hat's on the ground for crying out loud. He's bent over so far. Bill Bender joins us. Bill Trent and Ken won't see that this year, sadly, or will we? Um, let's start there, Bill Bender. Great to speak with you as always. I. Looking uh, feverishly at your picks, trying to get some help for since Trent's trying to convince me we're going to do picks again this year, and I'm going to rely on uh, you amongst others, Bill Bender. But let's start with uh, the Big Ten. Where do you sit, Bill? I mean, there's still I think there's more hope out there. That's why we're following guys like Sir Yauton, hanging on his every tweet, (laughs) uh, just hoping that against hope that he's that he really does have a source and that he really is going to be right. When will the Big Ten play football, Bill?
0: Man, three things here. I thought there was an Iowa State law against playing the Buckeyes fight song on the air. Um, Two, I'm rusty on my picks. I picked Navy over BYU last week. I don't know if you want to listen to me, and I'm going to need you guys' input on Iowa State, Louisiana. And
1: Iowa State wins, but doesn't cover. We both like the raging Cajuns to cover.
0: Feels like a tight game. It does. Yep. UL's a pretty good team. Um and they've got some experience. When I look at games like that, I would you know, I like what Iowa State has, obviously, with Brock Purdy, but um when you have a team like UL, couple good running backs, experienced team, mm-hmm. and if they don't turn the ball over, it'll be a game. Yep. So that's what you gotta watch with the road team there. Um now let's talk Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> um actually ask me a different question. I just don't know. I, I think But I would say this, um, if they are going to plan on playing in October, they would have to come to that decision this week, I think. We're running out of time.
1: I'm with you, Bill. Um, Yeah, if there's any hope of October, whether it's – I don't even – set in stone on October the 10th, which seems to be the date. If it's the 17th, I'm not sure that works as far as trying to get everything done and still qualifying for the playoff. And I know that means a lot, obviously, in Columbus because they've got a team that's good enough not only to contend for that playoff spot, but to win it all. But uh, if indeed, Bill, that that doesn't happen, is Thanksgiving now on the same plane as maybe early January, because I wasn't convinced Thanksgiving made sense when that date was floated out. Well, if you're going to play in November, why can't you play in October? I thought the blowback would be strong there, but I'm starting to think that this Thanksgiving plan rumor might have some validity. How about you?
0: I did too, because the sources I do trust, um, have pointed to that as well. Um, some of the best college football writers in the country are kind of hinting at that. And, um, I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't like it, but I think that's where they're leaning. And the only reason I don't like it is this. I, I get it. You get a window. You're going to get your TV money. People will watch the game. There's no question there. Um, I still think it's going to feel like a consolation prize to the real thing, especially if you're going to open on Thanksgiving weekend. One, that Friday night you're competing with Notre Dame, North Carolina, which promises to be a huge game. Mm-hmm. And then two, the Iron Bulls that day. So, I mean, you're already feeling like, oh, Ohio State's opening with Maryland or whatever. Well, those big games will already be done. And I just think it'll have the feel of a consolation prize instead of trying to push it up to October. I mean, we're playing high school ball here in Ohio.
2: We're doing it here, too. Yep. In Iowa, we did baseball and softball during the summer. We've had this going on, yet the Big Ten. No plans in place as of yet. Trevor Lawrence certainly has a plan with his number 1-ranked Clemson Tigers and also continues to do work behind the scenes, mm. bringing college players together and bringing together what he called actionable steps. The part that I love about this is we've seen plenty of these ideas and different things that the players have tried to do, but these are all five realistic things that college programs can do and college athletic departments can do to work together in order to improve overall just a society that we live on tip of the bulk after Trevor Lawrence.
0: You can say what you want about Dabo Sweeney, but he has put two of the, I would say most well-rounded quarterbacks I've ever seen Mm -hmm. in the last 10 years. And one was Deshaun Watson Mm -hmm. who just got paid in the NFL, really elevated that program and, uh, has done wonders at the next, I think he's a heck of a quarterback at the next level too. um, two would be trevor lawrence this guy that you know just come in has only lost one game as a starter has a rocket for an arm and has the social consciousness to do the things that he's doing um both of those guys i always said they weren't the most exciting interviews and that's i'm saying that as a compliment because they just say the right things they do the right things they don't leave anything to for tabloidization and um that's a credit to the program Dabo's running down there at Clemson.
1: Bill, what's the best weekend this game? I, I, I'm with you. I think the Raging Canes' Clones could be a real tight football game and you get 11 and a half points. What's, uh, what's on your list as um, potentially what might be the best game of the weekend if it's not that one? Well, I mean, of the ranked games, that's
0: the lowest spread, so it makes sense. Um, I'm intrigued by just watching Notre Dame in an ACC game as a full member and, yeah. and what they throw at Duke with Duke has Clemson transfer Chase Bryce on the field. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, one that's a little off the radar, I, but I'm interested, is Florida State-Georgia Tech, mm. because Florida State's got a new coach. Um, they, they've they gotten off on the wrong foot a couple times in recent seasons, and then uh, Georgia Tech, second year of Jeff Collins, they played hard last year toward the end, and I know that's a cliche, but they were in some games toward the end of last year, and I just think that's an interesting kind of about face for both programs. It probably will be a tight game because it's a conference opener
2: we get started tomorrow night with week two of the college slate and I think a pretty intriguing one UAB who's come off the mat after the program was disbanded came back uh, won uh, a division crown and a been to Bowl games just incredible what Bill Clark has done there against new look Miami the U is back maybe Madeira King who is an incredible talent not a big guy by any means five foot 11, but he is dynamic at the quarterback position.
0: the U are they going to be back this year? Well, that, that was the hardest game for me to pick, honestly, because I could see what if Miami comes out, new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. explosive quarterback, and and just lights it up. And I wouldn't be surprised there, but I ended up taking the Blazers to cover because I like the two running backs. They have a game under their belt. You mentioned Bill Clark. That's another guy. I mean, you just talk to him. He was our mm. Sporting News Coach of the Year two years ago and got a chance to speak with him. And guy gets those guys to play hard. Again, cliche, but they, they came off the mat. They weren't even a program. And now they're averaging 10 wins in the last two years. I cannot believe they put that on Thursday, Trent. They should have put that game on Friday oh. so they didn't have to go against uh yeah. Chief Texans tomorrow yeah. night.
1: Yeah. That little game at Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium with the defending Super Bowl champs and two of the most young and dynamic players uh at the quarterback position in the game. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that, Bill Bender. Uh Bill, so let's uh let's go around the A C C the SEC and the and the Big Twelve. Of those three you know you can't say clemson you can't say alabama oklahoma or texas is there a school that's kind of flying under the radar that's not necessarily going to be a playoff team but might be in the conversation when we get that first tuesday night uh, college football unveil show in sometime in november give me a dark horse out there bill
0: bender i'll give you a couple i'll give you one from each conference okay. i mean one the first one's in your backyard and title state if if they put it all together um no, with the quarterback, the running back, mm-hmm. um, Matt Campbell's been there for a while. If it's not them, it might be Oklahoma State with the offense that they have. I mean, those are the two kind of off the radar I'd see there. Uh, ACC is easy; it's North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I think I I've talked raved about them yep. because I think Max recruited well. They mm-hmm. have the quarterback. They have a linebacker who's a bucket Award candidate, and they bring in a five-star freshman. Max got that at warp speed. Really, what they're doing. Um, but it have to happen week to week. And then SEC, it's hard to say there's a sleeper when six of the teams are in the top (laughs) ten. I I think if you give me some leeway here, I think Florida's bracing for their opportunity now with Dan Mullen in year three and and Kyle Trask at quarterback and Georgia having some issues at quarterback. I think they feel like it's their opportunity to get back to the top of the SEC East. And that's not a sleeper, that's just kind of how good are they go, really good enough to compete with those SEC West you know, superpowers? And we're going to find out.
1: Indeed we are. This feels like the first week of college football to me, yeah. Bill. It really does. A little buzz around it. Last week, Labor Day weekend, really took a look at the slate, and the games weren't good. They were blowouts for the most part. And uh, this feels like the uh, lid lifter to me. Bill, thank you. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Appreciate it, Bill Bender. Yeah, no problem. Take care, guys. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Bill, Uh, as we talk a little bit of college football. He's got the clones and the sleeper in the Big 12. Good pick. I like that. Defense salty, good quarterback, running back, tight ends, receivers better than you think.
2: You know, we usually have two. If it turns out to be a disappointing year and you don't have the other one to lean on this year.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's going to be tough. That's a great point. Never thought of that angle. 11 o'clock coming up next. David Kaplan kicks it off. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cyclone Conversation with Ben Visser as well. Miller and Condon, 1460, 106.3 FM.